0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the TV pilot's license flight number 17 with service to Los Angeles, California. We ask that you please fasten your headphones at this time, secure your podcasting device, and remember that if you have a baby on board, you must present them to the rest of our passengers by hoisting them above your head to the circle of life. If you do not believe you are able to perform this action, please notify your closest flight attendant, and they will make sure to find someone to assist you. Welcome to the TV <laughs> Pilot's License. My name is Jeff Kerbis, joined by Max Singer and Rich Inman. How are you boys doing today? Hey, these uh these flight announcements are getting longer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we still, have a,
1: still don't know how to put up my goddamn seatbelt. We have a
0: lot of rules on our airline, but it's okay for those God, who are this
1: makes Southwest like the military.
2: <laughs> I have to say, I think I think for this week's episode, this is the most I've ever been prepared for uh for a show because of how much of
0: the show I have watched. I've consumed an insane amount of modern family. Well, that's great because Guess what, folks? This week, we're doing Modern Family
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Amazing. (laughs)
0: Rich, Rich, you nailed it. You are ready for it, man. I'm so Uh, glad. um, But for those who might be unfamiliar with us, with our podcast, Max, do you mind telling the folks what it is all about?
1: Absolutely. So here at TV Pilots License, we break down and analyze the pilot episodes of some of television's most famous and in some cases infamous shows. Uh, we figure out how these projects were greenlit in the first place, if they're effective pilots and making us want to watch more, and if we think they can be made today. We've got a whole catalog of episodes now wherever you get your podcasts, so go and check out some of your favorite shows or find something new. And if it's your first time flying with us, welcome aboard.
0: Excellent, and Rich, you always come with something a little bit extra, and you feel prepared for this week's podcast. So, what is Rich's question of the week?
2: So, yeah, uh, I did a lot of thinking about this one, clearly, uh, and I wanted to know what would be the name of your sitcom about your extended family. Oh, and we can and we can pause here because obviously it's going to take some thinking.
1: Oh man, so my dad's side of the family, I don't think this is more of a, a, I don't think it's a joke, but they all say that they all played a game where it was who could get the hell the furthest away from other people, (laughs) and that my cousin who moved to Singapore won.
0: (laughs) Uh, hmm. So, unfortunately- He's going the distance, that's what it's uh, called. Oh, that's a great, that's a great (laughs) name.
1: Sky Miles.
0: (laughs) unfortunately curb your enthusiasm is already used as oh, that's a show so good though that's uh, so good yeah I like no. that a lot. but i'm gonna just say uh larry david please don't sue me but curb this <laughs> is gonna be the name of my uh my family sitcom um so yeah no i think that uh that would fit perfectly i love that
2: um i think uh based on previous
0: thanksgivings with
2: uh with my family um I think the the name the smoking Jews would be, <laughs> would be potentially apt or some sort of pun that I can uh, that we can add in later about uh, uh, everyone in an
0: extended Jewish family getting high together. I mean, that sounds lovely. And I want to go to your Thanksgiving. <laughs> uh, well, Come Rich, on then- down. <laughs> uh rich thank you so much for the awesome question um before we learn a little bit more about modern family let's talk quickly about a synopsis uh three different but related families face trials and tribulations in their own uniquely comedic ways once again we're finding these really short uh synopses are sometimes the best descriptors there can be but Max. I know that there's a little bit more that went into making this show. Can you tell Maybe. us a little bit about it? Totally. So Modern Family is known as being
1: one of the last real juggernauts of network TV, but it wasn't always that. Uh, we're going to talk about our pilot episodes, premiered on September 23rd, 2009, and to get there, we're going to talk about two gentlemen by the name of Steve Levitan and Christopher Lloyd both of whom are just absolute legends in the 90s and 2000s network sitcom game. Uh, So Levitan actually started off working as a copywriter for Leo Burnett in Chicago and in his late 20s decides to give up advertising and moves to LA to pursue his dreams in screenwriting. Uh, He ends up getting jobs working for shows like Wings, Frasier, and The Larry Sanders Show before going on to create and produce his own sitcoms including Just Shoot Me, Stark Raving Mad, Greg the Bunny, Oliver Bean, Stacked, and Back to You, which he'll actually do with Lloyd as well. Uh, Lloyd is another super tenured comedy vet. He began his screenwriting career in the mid-80s, working for four seasons on The Golden Girls. He's also going to write for Wings and Frasier with Levitan. That's wild. And Christopher Lloyd is going to become the showrunner for many years on Frasier. Uh, During his time as their showrunner, Frasier becomes the first show to ever win the Emmy for Outstanding Comedy Series five years in a row.
0: Holy crap! I mean, it's good. It's real like, good. I, I I will admit this. I've watched every single episode of Frasier. I get it. I hundred percent get it. I will say that.
1: What were they going up against? Like uh, Sein- Seinfeld. Seinfeld.
0: Sein- I
1: guess coach <laughs> with Frank T. Nelson. Literally, like,
2: literally Seinfeld. Literally Friends.
1: Uh, So, Christopher Lloyd also created a show after his time on Frasier called Out of Practice, which featured Ty Burrell in basically his first major role. Uh, They work on the show Back to You together, uh, this is being Steve Levitan and Christopher Lloyd, which is supposed to be this huge team-up with uh, Kelsey Grammer after the Frasier days, except it bombs so 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 hard Uh, so through all of their years of friendship and swapping stories about their families levitan and lloyd basically felt there was some basis here for a sitcom about intertwined families and the original pitch for modern family was super different than what we know of it today Hmm. it was always going to be this three-story segment show with different like parts of a family but originally the documentary filmmaker was going to be a lead in it as well. And they had oh. an entire separate character, a Dutch filmmaker oh. named Geert Florchi. <laughs> Geert. Oh, Who God. Apologies to with... anyone named Geert. <laughs> so Geert Florci was the name of the filmmaker, and he lived previously as an exchange student with Jay Pritchett. Uh, and he had this crush on Claire, and Mitchell had a crush on Geert. Uh, this entire part of the story gets cut before it actually gets pitched to networks. Probably the this, right move. They take this script to CBS, NBC, and ABC. They don't take it to Fox because I guess there was some bad blood with how Back to You was handled. Mm. Uh, CBS passes on it because they don't want to stray from their multicam mm-hmm. sound they're so well known that makes for. Sense. NBC basically feels that a third documentary style show would be overkill on their comedy block with the office and early parks and recreation. And so ABC decides to give it a go. Uh, They've defined their writing style in the pilot script as basically being broad old school style, like multicam jokes done in this modern single cam mockumentary setting. So it's like, it very is intentionally doing old school 90s sitcom comedy jokes. Uh, also, kind of a weird fact here is that egos were rampant between Leviton and Lloyd in the pre-production and first season of this show. They actually break up their partnership after Whoa, wow. season one, and they strike a deal with ABC, where basically they're allowed to each oversee a certain number of episodes per season without the other one's involvement. That's Whoa. Basically, they have like a divorce, and the writers' room become these children of divorce. So it's like this week you're working with Levitan, you're doing this episode. This week you're working with Lloyd, you're doing his episode. And the two had an understanding they wouldn't have any input in the other one's episode. This pact went on for the entire rest of the run of the show. Holy shit. Um,
2: they did it for like, like what, eight seasons?
1: We're not, we'll find out later. Yeah, we don't know. Uh, we don't know. <laughs> for now, we're going to be talking about uh, Pilot and the date of September 23rd, 2009.
0: Wow. All right. So one, Max, thank you for that. Let's just dive right into it because there's a lot of stuff happening in this pilot, even though the synopsis might seem short. And we start off in one of our three households, the Dumpy household. And there's a lot of stuff going on. First, we have them just seemingly having breakfast. And one of the things that I thought was super clever of I'm gonna call this like we're not your regular family sitcom we're a cool family sitcom mm-hmm. is they start off with the joke of Haley's skirt being too short which you know I could see being in Married well said, with Jeff. children's <laughs> or, uh maybe even being in like a friend's or something of that sort but they play it off completely differently with just seeing how Phil reacts to being like, oh that's a cute skirt. You instantly know that this is sort of like a very try hard dad with mom who has to be the stickler, but like with a, oh, little a, bit of a, a novel
1: idea for an American sitcom. <laughs> well, uh, dad who's completely oblivious, he's oh. too busy paying attention to his cell phone to notice his wife's struggles and doesn't back her up in To go real original. This
2: is this, uh, this gives me this like one scene to start it started off sets the tone for me so well because i love like just good uh, like like well thought out sitcom jokes because they really like I, they'll immediately go into like uh, like miscommunication puns and uh Phil automatically, not even trying to be the cool dad, he's just kind of like the unattentive one. And uh, Claire is obviously very type A, and, and obviously it's a, a huge mismatch, but also the uh, family would be in complete chaos if they didn't have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's just like a, a like a quintessential sitcom like family dynamic and it just like it's very heartwarming to me it's like it's very it feels very comforting
1: yeah don't worry because uh phil's not the only oblivious one in this family because we we find out right away that their youngest son has his head stuck in the banister again (laughs) don't
0: skip ahead too much max but before (laughs) we're gonna read the whole script (laughs) before we get there though i think one of the things that this show does really well in the cold open is it Gives us all we need to know about each of the three families without saying anything about them in too much context, right? Mm -hmm. For Phil and Claire, they've been married for 16 years. They say it outright. Uh, They are the traditional family for the most part uh, with three kids, two girls, one boy who's uh, the youngest. Then we have the Pritchetts. We have Jay, who is a middle-aged man with his new young wife and his stepson, uh, who is love love-obsessed. And then we have the newest of the families, right, uh, with the Pritchetts, in the sense that they just adopted a baby girl uh, and are bringing her home for the first time. Uh, in a scene that, you know, I, I will say the jokes in the scene were funny for 2009 but do we think that they aged really well into now when you call like when you do a literal baby with the cream puffs joke yeah that was i
2: i really i really liked how heavy-handed and sitcom-y that that line was like i i'm i'm a sucker for sitcom schlock and it that was like literally no one calls gay people cream puffs at least they certainly didn't in 2009 that's like I, I don't know if Levitan or Floyd are actually are, are there if they're gay. Uh, I mean already having Eric Stone Street who is not gay, right? Yeah, um no. yeah, be part uh, be part of this couple like I think that automatically speaks to like this already being a weird dynamic for 2022 and but it very much like very strong in 2009. So you know there's there's you have to suspend some disbelief to make the, some of these jo- jokes work because it is so dense with jokes. and That's what I love.
1: So if we're going to just take the, the cold open jokes segment by segment and do they hold up today, um, I, I think the Phil's oblivious answer of saying that Haley's skirt is cute when Claire wants uh, a reprimand, that is still a, a funny dad joke. Oh, hell yeah. Um, Phil trying to find out where the baby oil is to get his son unstuck. And Claire starting to say on our bedside, I don't know. Just go find him." Like, <laughs> yeah. Like we can't talk yeah, about sex. Like parents fuck still funny. Um, Gloria getting way too aggressive and passionately shouting at a six year old youth soccer game. Uh, very funny. Also, they make a reference to later that Manny is 11, but they say the kids in this soccer game are all six. Is Manny just that unathletic that he has to play <laughs> with the six-year-olds? Uh, and O'Neill not being able to get into the folding chair. Still very funny to this day. Uh, and then, yeah, the the plane sequence with Mitchell and Cameron, this is probably the area where the jokes are maybe a little more touch-and-go for now. Um, I, I think, yeah, the, the whole soapbox speech to the passengers over being called cream puffs and then revealing that like Cameron just gave their newborn child a cream puff to hold like that, that
0: it is funny. <laughs> it, 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 it is like, uh- Instantly, at during this entire cold open, I'm giggling to myself, right? Because I think all of these jokes are just really well written. And Did, did you think that we would like to pay for everyone's headsets
1: as a strong enough button, though, to smash Oh, that's a really credits?
0: solid question. Would you rather someone pay for your headso- in, headset in a flight or pay for your first drink on a flight? Discuss. Mm. Okay, so that is the ABC answer.
2: The I will pay for everyone's headsets thing. I also think like just like the soapbox part of it is so extremely first Obama term like thing, <laughs> you know. It's like now now that now that gay marriage has been like legalized and everything, and you know they tried to create some drama with like people being inconsiderate around them. Also, like were they flying back from Vietnam? Was was that
0: the?
1: I can- they say it's a five-hour flight. Oh, yeah, so definitely not. If-
0: no, okay. no. I, I maybe they're flying. I don't know. That's a really solid question. Maybe they had to take a layover in uh, Chicago or something like that. I don't know. I'm. I just Vietnam play a pil- Chicago. Are I just about play the a pilot on on, uh, on my podcast. You know.
1: <laughs> yeah, not we're on. not doing the Steve Levitad Christopher Lloyd hit wings.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Which we should, um, if we cover. Would that be hat on a hat? <laughs> 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 um,
0: but. After this cold Ladies open, and gentlemen,
2: we'd like to welcome you to your final destination, a
0: plane. <laughs> um, so we get the intro, um, and then we are back at the Dumphy household. Um, and we have, I, I have to call it, I love Ty Burrell as Phil Dunphy. Oh my god. I love this <laughs> Always so, good so this. much. Perfect because casting. Because we have our first like single talking head of him mm-hmm. just chatting. And, like, talking about how he's the cool dad, and through a montage of small instances, including him doing the high school musical dance number, we're all in this together, I was just like, yep, I'm fully bought in on Phil Dunphy. Phil Dunphy is the lovable idiot that I am going to tune into all the time and just laugh at because I can relate to him so well yeah him being like
1: i'm the cool dad i text that's like his yeah. 2009 way oh, of baby. with his teens
2: that he texts um tell me you got that iphone one
1: yeah, yeah truly I, I did notice though that every time they do kind of like a an awkward music cue and there's a few of them in this episode mm-hmm. they're all disney properties yeah uh and i've also noticed it's a thing that abc does a lot in general they use a lot of references if you watch like elementary right now there's a lot of references to like marvel stuff in there it's like Mm -hmm. oh disney has now just collected so much physical property they have so much under their umbrella now they could just like sprinkle in all of these jokes that you wouldn't even notice are just from their own catalog into whatever shows they want
2: i guess that makes sense because from like a from a production standpoint you never have to ask for permission and i think i i don't know is that uh Let's let's dive deep into the Monopoly aspect of this. <laughs> <laughs> no, New
0: podcasts. <laughs> yeah, no,
2: number one mergers and acquisitions podcast and, and, trust, and trust-busting podcast. Oh, uh, hey, everybody. I just wanted to uh, say, uh,
1: you better you better stop talking about this before I fucking cut you. I swear to God, I'll, I'll come over there and I'll fucking cut you, Rich.
0: Rich keeps on trying to make this into a different version of a podcast. I don't know what the fuck he's doing. We are a TV license podcast. That's it. That's all. Not a mergers and acquisitions podcast or a sports podcast. What the fuck is he thinking? One of the things that I don't think Disney owns is shooting people because I did really love. <laughs> They're really the, good at it though. The, the, the line of. The little bitch shot me was just like something that I was not fully prepared for a child Alex to say out loud but when no, she kid, said kid it No, kids
1: swearing is funny. Kids swearing is kid always swearing funny. is
0: hysterical. And that was like such a great it allowed for so many jokes of like the scheduling of a shooting is something that I forgot was in this pilot having this been the second time I've ever watched it but also I was cracking up throughout because i feel like anyone and that is situational comedy right you can relate to these jokes in a lesser extent but scheduling anything i feel like is something anyone can just get a giggle from well
1: in this kitchen scene them trying to figure out a proper time to schedule luke's punishment around everyone's extracurriculars that that feels fight mates like we set that's the my favorite so joke of the whole high thing for what our kids need to do to like make their resumes look good and their extracurriculars and all their outside engagements. And to just show that like, Oh, the family is too busy to punish their son for shooting his sister. Like that is a very humorous, like kind of millennial comedy joke right there. I like fucking, older millennial joke.
2: That is hands down my favorite, like funny bit of this pilot. I, I really love, I, I just love like, I mean, obviously the back and forth between Claire and Phil are like, pro- it probably the high point of the whole episode, but um i mean just the fact that they have to like really debate on <laughs> and schedule in and uh capital punishment for their son is mm,
0: comedy gold yeah so after we schedule this shooting right uh we go back to gloria manny and jay at the soccer game And Manny is professing his love. And we get to learn a little bit more about like the background of Gloria as a whole. Um, Maybe Gloria is a little bit of a stereotype of the fiery person, right? From Columbia that Jay (laughs) just...
2: Fiery person.
0: (laughs) Fiery person from Columbia. But like, it's definitely a scene where we... I love Ed O'Neill in this part because he is doing so little... Yet he is doing so much by barely acting at all and just seeming miserable uh, and trying to get a few more checks since Married with Children is maybe not in syndication anymore.
1: Yeah, people aren't watching Little Giants with him and Rick Moranis as much as they used to.
2: They, I will say, from having watched nearly every other season of Modern Family... Um, they never progress past the same jokes that the same like comedy material that they covered with, uh, Jay and Gloria's dynamic and the entire rest of the show. It is Jay is old. Gloria is not. Jay, uh, Gloria had, uh, Gloria is Colombian. So she'll cut you. Uh, Gloria. <laughs> Gloria had past relationships where they fucked a lot better than Jay, so it was literally those are the three things. That's the only three things they touch upon for the rest of the run of the show.
1: Can I drop an Ed O'Neill fun fact here? Yeah, go
0: for it. I'd love that.
1: So there's an interview where he talks about like acting on sitcoms over the years, and he said the key is to work with the writers and producers. And whenever there's a scene where it could be written that his character is sitting, he always takes the opportunity (laughs) to sit down.
0: (laughs) So actually another fun fact about Ed O'Neill, maybe not as funny as yours, but so there was another family based show that was going on around this time called Parenthood uh, Mm -hmm. with Craig T. Ferguson starring as the like. Craig T. Nelson. Craig T. Nelson. Thank you. You combined him with Craig Ferguson. Yes. Uh, Craig T. Nelson stars in that as like the head father figure of that show, right? Supposedly, Craig. Was not the first choice, and it was Ed O'Neill. But Ed O'Neill told them to fuck off because he didn't want to do a drama, and he wanted to just get paid for thirty-minute segments. Well, and TV. ironically,
1: Craig T. Nelson was one of the original choices to play Jay, but he wouldn't meet their salary demands because they were going to pay him for an ensemble rate and not as like a leading man of the show.
2: That's so weird. You, you, you're gonna. Well, thank you for bringing that up. That, I mean, that's like that's also like why is ABC trying to pinch pennies like that? That is so bizarre. Because Craig T. Nelson is a lead of a successful sitcom, that's very bizarre. That's very strange to me.
0: Yeah, no, it's wild. But,
1: but yeah, this scene is funny. It's like in it, he says, "Like whenever I could shoot a scene in a car, I always shoot a scene in a car because <laughs> I have to sit down for all the takes."
0: <laughs> um, but. From this, you know, this picture into we have a love-obsessed 11-year-old who's going to write letters and is stopping the car to pick flowers. Uh, we go to our new family of Cam and Mitch with their daughter uh, arriving home for the first time. Um, and it was fairly, like, Cam and Mitch. First of all, I love Jesse Tyler Ferguson. I think he is a fantastic actor as a whole. And then Eric Stone Street, same deal. They're um, so goddamn funny together. But their their chemistry together is wonderful, and they give you the vibe of like, oh yeah, we've been married for years, mm-hmm. like, or we've been together for years at this point in time. And like, there's this is one of those other scenes where they you do such a good job of acting with what's in the room, like that terrifying mural uh, in their daughter's nursery, but also having the cutaway scenes of Eric Stone Street literally just like devouring whatever's in the pantry and looking yeah, right into the yeah, nighttime the joke Yeah,
1: the joke about Cam putting on pregnancy weight during the adoption process. Why is there a security camera in the pantry? Was, it's a normal thing. What
2: is it part of the documentary? Why is there a documentary aspect where they hide cameras inside the house?
0: I like to think that they live with the rat- and they're just trying to make sure he's paying his fair share of grocery bills, but it's know. all
1: part of Geert's vision. <laughs> yes.
0: I
2: I do really, I do really love, um, and I know it will be problematic right now for, um, for Cam's character to be played by a straight man. However, um, you know, I remember when the show came out and Eric stone's dude G- was like one of the rising stars of the show. Like it really you know, obviously, Max, you said this, this show is like one of the big juggernauts of the sitcom world at that time. Obviously, they still had like two and a half men, uh, um, Big Bang Theory, How I Met Your Mother, and all that. Like a lot, the sitcom was going really, really strong at this mm-hmm. point. Um, but it was really cool. Like, I, I thought it was a really nice homage. Eric Stonestreet says his character is based off of his mom. And I think that's, like, really, it seems like a very lovely way for an actor to pay tribute or and, like, try to make the character feel more real to them, even though it's an identity they can't really relate with. I thought that was a very nice story. No further questions.
0: Yeah, no, that's, it, it is awesome how these characters and these actors made these characters very much their own. Yeah, Sophia very- Vergara's accent, completely fake. Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) She's from from Dublin, Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But after the scene, and like, it, it was very sweet, like watching the two of them, like, sort of talking about how do we have to change since we're now parents, right? We weren't previously parents, like talking about, oh, hey, we can't have friends with these names anymore, which was just like a wild thing to think about but like also i'm not a parent so i'm not really worried about whose name is what um warning max we can't have maxes if i'm becoming a dad sorry it's just the case yeah, that's fair you got one already <laughs> <laughs> what I noticed, rid of it.
1: Though, watching this is you can tell just what like 30 minute sitcom vets levitan and lloyd are because we're pretty much just before the 10 minute mark in this pilot so if you're thinking like a page a minute, like probably page nine or 10 in here, when we get our main point of conflict and really what our end of act one is with uh, Cam has invited Mitchell's family over to meet this baby. Mitchell's avoided there sometime. There's a tumultuous relationship there. And that's really our end of act one. And it's like, perfectly at that first third in the runtime of the episode it's just such a like veteran tv writer mm-hmm. move to like lay that smack down at this
0: point one thing that i was sort of curious about is when cam says that i, I believe it's cam says that or uh, yeah no it's mitchell mitchell says oh i'm not telling my family i didn't tell my family mm-hmm. which is just like i i have a I have, what what did he think was gonna happen they were just gonna appear with the baby and said like we have a baby. Like, I don't know. Like, there could have been a little bit more with that, I guess. But at the same time, I think they did a great job of not doing more with
1: yeah, it. Yeah, but, but you only have 23 minutes True. of commercials to tell it. So you can't get bogged down with getting the entire story because otherwise the entire show becomes about Mitchell and his family issues and not really – Uh, breaking it down to all of our arcs
2: yeah and i I do think as well like mitchell refusing to um to tell his family was it seemed that was probably the most fabricated moment of the show i think like it it felt the most like not based in reality because like obviously they know that he he's a smart guy like he knows that's not a long-term solution also you know his dad's in a blended family his, his sister is extremely understanding and like his biggest supporter to be uh like you know i would i, I would argue and i don't know it just seemed like something that they kind of threw in there strictly for comedy purposes it didn't really seem indicative of the actual relationship of the family as a whole very fair
0: very fair um so let's talk about we have one main conflict of Cam and Mitch introducing this new member of the family. But we have a secondary, a couple of secondary conflicts that are coming up. One, Haley is having a boy over in one of my favorite scenes of (laughs) Phil introducing himself to Dylan and I I just have uh, basically is the prison Mike character from the office (laughs) yeah I just have in my notes let me meet this player Phil Dunphy yo and that's it that's it in my notes and it was just so perfect it might have only been like 10 seconds of dialogue but it was and then also the interaction with the stairs of like trying to be taller than Dylan is like it was just really well done in this. Like, mm-hmm. how can we make beating yeah. the the boy a little bit more awkward? He's trying to get the higher ground on <clears throat> his daughter's boyfriend ends up
1: slipping in baby oil and hurting himself.
2: Yeah, and, and I do really love and and shout out to Reed Ewing, a friend of the pod, um, who plays Dylan, and I I, I really love them introducing. Almost immediately that there's going to be a dumb person in the show that there's not going to be someone with like, you know, everyone else has their like dumb moments. Like Luke has a lot of dumb moments, but he's also just like immature. He's a child. child. Yeah, (laughs) he's a child. He's like figuring shit out. Um, but Reed, Reed, I'm sorry, uh, Dylan comes in as basically the uh, the dumb foil uh, to to the Dunphy scenes, and it just makes me endlessly happy.
1: Yeah, too many sitcoms are just highly intelligent. We don't have enough dumb people in 30-minute comedies anymore. We
2: need dumb representation. I've been saying it for years. <laughs> the, uh, um, as, as spokesperson of the dumb community, I would like to say... <laughs> thank you steve levitan and thank you christopher
0: lloyd for we, for seeing me we appreciate you uh <laughs> absolutely so as we leave phil dumpy in a uh cradle position on a couch because down he to in- the dumps yeah as he injured his back uh we come to the pritchett family in the mall as manny's about to profess his love uh and there, there were so many lines that I really loved in this moment. There, the one quote that I have is, I put my thoughts into words and my words into action. And that was just something that I was like, if we're ever going to do bumper stickers, as we talked about in our Dawson's Creek episode, that's a bumper sticker right there.
1: The one that I jotted down in full was, I gave her my heart. She gave me a picture of me as an old time sheriff. That was...
0: <laughs> But it, it is nice, like, the, the thought behind the scene is really nice of, um, I think that Sofia Vergara's character of Gloria does a really good job of being, like, to Ed O'Neill's character, like, you gotta step up being a stepdad because you are not being a supportive human being, mm-hmm. and, like, that was the only, one of the few very, very serious, I think, mm-hmm. like, plot lines of this of like you are being a shitty stepdad who doesn't want to be involved and i have a child who like is part of the family and like in the end i we sort of start to see that being taken into action in later scenes um anything else that we got from like being at the mall other than manny got a photo of himself as an old-timey sheriff oh absolutely well, we get
1: we get one of uh the mini conflicts here which is kind of like jay versus self and jay vs. time uh him feeling like perhaps he's not enough for his younger second wife or he's out of touch with society and that comes to a head when a mall security guard tells him to move to the side and keep moving with the mall walkers when he's trying to spend time with his wife and stepchild uh resulting in Jay basically running into a Von Dutch esque store yeah.
2: to <laughs> do who it's, knows what. It's it's Von Dutch meets uh what what was the name of the tattoo artist that the the
1: cat Von D? No,
2: no, no. Uh God. Uh that's just, that's just two Ed von Hardy. That, yeah, Ed Ed Hardy. It's like an Ed Hardy Von Dutch combo story. It's, it's one of the and another like completely amazing like visual gag um uh foreshadowing of like you see an extremely ugly but very like new and different outfit in a window that character that is that's chekhov's (laughs) that's that's chekhov's graphic hat baby
1: (laughs) chekhov's trucker hat
0: that's amazing (laughs) um so, as we find out that Jay is set to get an entire new wardrobe, um, we come to my favorite scene of this entire Ooh. thing, which is the shooting of Luke. That is what I have titled <laughs> this scene uh, because I like we, it when the kids
2: get shot. I thought that this scene Ron was DeSantis. Just... Uh, so, the... you can take
0: the boy out of Florida. <laughs> Noah Gould, who plays Luke. Um, I think he's like he he has to be very young when he was doing this. Like I think he probably was closer to like maybe eight or nine. Yeah, I don't Sh- have shout any- out young Jewish king. Uh, but. When they did this, like, just the piecing together of, like, hey, you can't have all those pairs of underwear on. You can't have pads on. Like, it's just, like, the joke is stacking on top of each other one after another. And then, finally, we get this very anti-climatic shot of, like, Phil accident- accidentally shoots him And then from there, just chaos ensues of just this BB gun that just goes nuts as a whole. But after this shooting happens, like, and after the, you know, Luke gets shot accidentally by Phil, like... What were your who shot Luke Dunphy? Who yeah? Who shot? It's all the books (laughs) are all the books uh, in your local Barnes and Noble. Uh, But yeah, like this scene sort of just is ultimate chaos, and I sort of hunger for that when I watch sitcoms. What did you all think about this scene as a whole? It was a really
1: weird scene to see (laughs) in modern TV. Like I, I was. I was confused. I was slightly uncomfortable that Phil's modern parenting style was going to be like, I have to shoot you with a gun. Eye for an eye, baby. (laughs) Uh, Also, I I don't know. Anyone remember that show, The Slap? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Do
2: I remember The Slap?
1: (laughs) Just, I don't know. Don't don't punish kids with physical violence, even if it is in a. Well, hold on. (laughs)
2: Hold on. If I've learned anything from The Cosby Show, and I think I have. If, Rich, what? Cosby
0: Show for now on this podcast. But Until like, we yeah. cover the pilot. <laughs> oh, no, that might be on our Patreon. We might have to do that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, the this, this sense of that, I think, is one of the things that when this show probably premiered, that audience attached to is, like, this unique idea of this sort of chaos being on network television is very unique But something that we can all sort of relate to in this very manic way that we sort of hide in our lives as a whole Like I don't know but at least to me Right, like I think we all have those chaotic moments in our lives that we look back on and we laugh about But like in the moment feels like the world is absolutely ending. Yeah,
1: I am curious about Phil's a uh, portrayal of masculinity throughout this entire show and the way that Ty Burrell portrays it because uh, along with like trying to get the upper hand on like a teenage boy or like this eye for an eye punishment style with his son. He's also always wearing like old letterman gear or old varsity sports gear. Like every time we see Phil, like when he's popping and locking the high school musical, he's wearing what's very clearly his high school letterman jacket (laughs) Uh, in multiple scenes throughout this. He's wearing either like an old kind of like varsity basketball penny jersey. Mm -hmm. He's wearing old kind of like athletic department gear. Uh, So either he's shopping exclusively at Abercrombie and buying the like fake made up athletic department shirts that they have for some reason or he's like oddly stuck in this 18 year old masculinity version of himself
2: i think he's i think he feels pressured into it i don't think that is really his nature i think he's like oh this is what a dad's supposed to do i've watched enough married with children um to to know that uh to know that like this is what a a dad's supposed to be protective over his daughter and and also make sure she's not wearing anything too provocative and stuff like that whereas phil probably accidentally probably is like the most progressive of everyone of anyone on the show just like because he doesn't give a shit and he's pretty cool um but I, i i don't know i can't remember if this comes up In the pilot because this is a aspect to how he is viewed in the family as a whole but it is one of those situations a a very common sitcom thing of uh he met claire really young he got claire Mm -hmm. pregnant really young and you know because of that everyone in the family thinks that claire didn't wasn't able to live up to her full potential because she became a mom too young
0: to be fair, though, like, one of the things that I thought, this show, as I said, it doesn't really give us much as far as exposition of explaining why every family is the family that it is, yeah. right? But Claire's character does a great job of, like, when Claire is talking to Alex about Haley being in a room with Dylan by herself... Um, Claire has this amazing monologue about like running into Haley's room. And she's like, I know what happens when boys are in rooms with girls and they're just watching Falcon crest on a bed. <laughs> and,
2: like, <laughs> Shout out to a Falcon
0: was, crest friend of the pod. Yeah. Like it was just like, I Julie Bowen doing that monologue that gave me a, a small snippet, a small little taste of what she's going to be bringing of these like Oh, yeah. Claire was, like, sort of a baddie, like, back in the day. But, like, hey, you know, we're going to learn more about her. And we're going to see her trying to be a mom as opposed to... Well, even
1: in the first confessional with Phil and Claire, they make reference to, like, Claire having kind of, like, a wild streak in her younger days. And it's like, as long as my daughter doesn't end up half naked on a beach in Florida, I've done my job. And there's always, like, specifics where it's, like, half naked on a beach in Florida watching Falcon Crest. They're, like... There are things that are so specific that it's like clearly she's talking about herself in those moments. Yeah. Th- and Julie Bowen does nail all those lines really well, I feel. Yeah. She ab- ab- absolutely
2: kills it. There's definitely like a, I don't want you to make the same mistakes that I do kind of thing, but also in the same way that, you know, those articles that came out that said like, oh, you know, the baby boomers had a lot more sex than millennials and Gen Z did when they were young and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, that's probably true. And the fact that, like, we have inherited, like, a lot of guilt around sex at that particular age I think is really showing itself here. Like, and I know that, you know, if they're if the two creators of the show spent a lot of their time writing, like, the most popular sitcoms of the 90s, like you can see very clearly when the shift from baby boomer baby boomer humor to millennial humor happens like right here cuz it's just like yeah these kids are crazy but they're spending so much time on their phones that no one's actually fucking <laughs>
0: <laughs> um but uh, let's talk about the final scene um because this is like I- i'm going to reveal a little bit of something about myself go on so i'm gonna reveal a little bit of something about myself this is not the first time i've watched this pilot but this is the first time i've watched this pilot undistracted and (laughs) why i say that is you're proving the point (laughs) when i watched this the first time i only found out in the final scene that all of these families were related to oh my God. And I thought it was a gigantic plot twist. And I was like, Oh my God, this is so, so shocking. What a great TV show. I'm fully bought in. <laughs> um, but then I, what I loved about this final scene, there's a lot of comedy in the scene, right? Like the setup, Mitchell sets us up to like, be ready for Jay being like, oh, I'm coming in the room. Like, all of those jokes are great. But you start to really get a picture of how well the writers wrote this as truly a family, being one, interacting with each other, from how they're greeting each other to just the things that they're saying when Mitchell is giving his big speech about that they are having a baby and seeing how the family reacts to it. What about what about y'all?
1: I... <laughs> I I want to tread lightly with this third act and I say that because While I agree with you, Jeff, in that it is important to see the family coming together around Mitchell's big announcement, this entire section is littered with some jokes that are clearly at the hand of guys who did their biggest projects prior to this in the early 90s. Yeah, I I can't Uh, agree
0: more with you. For sure.
1: And after after Cam forces Mitchell to do a straight chest bump to pump himself up to have the family come over, we get a lot of very touchy humor there. I I think we'll break it down as we go through this, but yeah, just, I don't know. It, it, it like I understand the significance of this, but it also is the part in the pilot where I started to question if this was going to be for me 13 years after its premiere.
2: I think this is actually a pretty important part of it, even because some of these some of these jokes right here are not even, pro- they're they're not even of the moment for 2009. Yeah, the, exactly. 2009 was further ahead than this. And I think it's really important that they did this because they need to show progression of these characters. They, because that's so important for like the future, like touching moments of the show of like the characters growing and learning, um, you know, Jay being uncomfortable with gay marriage is like a really consistent part of the show for a little while, and you know a lot of jokes are in there and it is very much like an archie bunker type situation like he is the archie bunker of this show and Mm uh and i really think that is like especially for a pilot you have to set up that there's going to be character progression you can't come in with jay being ready to go about everything in mitchell's life and you know that Mm -hmm. does that is like it's unfortunately like where we're at right now as a society is very like it's gonna be a lot more touchy but I, i i think in the same reason like you know obviously we're all millennials we're all very much online we do not consider tim allen funny anymore (laughs) <laughs> however, however, his show and I can't remember the name of it. I want to say Big Man or something like that. I can't remember. Oh, Last Man Last Man's Man's Standing. Standing. Yeah. Sorry,
0: uh, I don't know why I know that. But no, no, no. Ending.
2: That's don't even apologize. That is an incredibly popular show. It is a conservative dad dealing with like a a non-binary and trans like children. Like it is like it's an important show in the sense that like this is what a majority of America thinks. And if you can't. Um, There's a comedian I really love named Sam Murrell, and a lot of his joke material, he workshops not in New York, where he lives most of his life. He workshops it on the road, in Arizona, in Texas, in Colorado, in Utah, like fucking anywhere, Florida. Like, you have to be able to create a more unifying thing, otherwise, you know, people in New York, Chicago, and L.A. are not loyal to TV, You want to make something that is going to be, okay, this feels cool to a family in Kansas, and let's try to open their hearts. And I think that is kind of what they're accomplishing here in a less extreme sense than Last Man Standing, because obviously the dad is more conservative in that. But accomplishing the same goals, really. Yeah,
0: it's definitely – I don't want to mistake this as representation on screen is super important. Sure. Uh, but there's definitely someone, I think, at ABC who might have said, hey, we need uh, Jay's char- to, oh, character character to specifically hit with our baby boomers because they're an important part of this audience and we need them to still be tuning in during this time slot yeah. because we're seemingly mm-hmm. covering every other bit of the time slot. Um, there were some funny, like, the entire idea of Mitchell saying, like, all... I will just bring it back to the idea of like, there are funny parts of the scene. There are some jokes that I don't want to say out loud because I even was like, ooh, that was a little bit rough. Yeah. Um, and, but there were jokes with like Mitchell giving this this monologue that seemed to be mistaken of all the things that he was saying and the family misinterpreting what he was trying to say because literally they there was phrasing that they used. Um, I think Cam said, To Mitchell that he has to come out with it uh and I don't know if that was entirely intentional but like he was almost coming out to his family as I am a new dad uh in this odd sense and it was interesting and funny just seeing how the family reacted as a whole and then ultimately with the cams reveal in the most flamboyant way possible of doing the circle of life hoisting a baby above his head um there, I didn't notice this the first time I watched, but they actually had a light and the rest of the room darkened. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is amazing. If that is just <laughs> set up in their home, how do I get that installed? I'd like to talk to your electrician yeah. and your lighting guy. Um, But then... Everything is cured. We have this beautiful baby and they are still a family. No matter what Jay says, this is his final line that I almost turned off the TV.
1: There's a very funny little like tête-à-tête right there though, where Mitchell does tell Cameron to, uh, Turn it off, and he's like, I can't turn it off. That's who I am. And Mitchell says, I mean the music. Like, <laughs>
0: those, those jokes are
1: See, that
2: is so very ubiquitous funny. for sitcom yeah. stuff. And I, I think this, the, God, this scratches
0: so many itches for me for, for sitcom jokes. So, this isn't the end though. We do get like that little post, like after the final commercial break, we get that one little final thing, and it's Bill and Luke playing basketball. Um, and I know this is just a small little throwaway scene, but I loved it so much. And it left like the best taste in my mouth of just like, I'm going to come back for these jokes like this and these like little cutaway, almost like real life family guy cutaway scenes, right? Yeah. Where it's just like, oh, I'm going to describe something. And then I'm going to show you it because I know you're thinking about it right now. And yeah, that is, that's sort of how we ended this entire episode. Yeah. I mean, uh,
2: I, I, if i know that they're going to and i think this is an pretty important like from a marketing perspective this is a very important part of the show because it helps keep people's attention into the lead-in to the next show super exactly. important mm-hmm. but on top of that it's called a blackout sketch and i love a blackout sketch so much to show Give me the joke in 30 seconds or less and like let let bring it home with something extremely funny. It doesn't have to be this like really nice takeaway at the end. Let it be fucking funny and human. And I I don't know. I just like I I know I know it's not. Like, really where we are right now is 2022, but I I love this pilot so much, and I love the structure of the show so much.
1: And that blackout sketch is definitely something that you see a lot of shows starting to utilize in, like, the mid to late Mm -hmm. plots again. um, The office, like, was king of it. Office. Parks and Rec. uh, Definitely Parks and Rec all the time. You're seeing it nowadays as Abbott, but I love the idea of just, like, either a callback to a reference a, an ability to tease something mm-hmm. for the future that maybe we're playing at. Uh, it almost kind of lets you break that rule of show, don't tell, and you can kind of just say something pretty forward without directly saying it. Um, or you could show a, uh, a pre-teed getting his ass dunked on for 30 seconds straight Bow. with just <laughs> heightened blocks of a basketball. Yeah, like fucking and amazing. one, baby. so
2: uh, Do you, that's do you a, think that's going to die now that the main way that people watch these shows is no longer like I don't know, terrestrial TV. That's like mostly it's now that it's going to be well, mostly if you're streaming. Watching,
1: if you're watching on streamers by the time. The oh, it goes in the next show. ends, Well, you, you get that button that says skip ahead. Yep. Like, you can skip these buttons. I think if you were to watch on a streamer or you have to wait for it to come on or you click back right away because the main episode's over. So yeah, I, I think that is something that feels really of like,
0: the 2000s. 2006 yeah. to
1: like 2016 and I don't know if we're going to see it moving forward.
0: I will give credit to Netflix because they've been testing out yeah. trying to do these blackout scenes uh, mm-hmm. um, and in like some of their original stuff and it keeps me on and I don't switch and then they're starting to figure out like hey after we show like the EP's names then you can skip the credits so yeah. like there's mm-hmm. something that's happening there but and that's I- yeah, I really go ahead,
2: I really like and I'm so glad you brought up Netflix because I really think they um they give the freedom to do that and my best example of that is the way uh Big Mouth breaks the fourth wall and really like tries to get you to not hit that skip ahead button or like they're really trying to like they'll they'll address the skip ahead button on your screen yeah like while they do it and I think that's so freaking clever and it's very much in the same ilk as like You know the blackout at the end of it i i I haven't watched a lot of older sitcoms i don't know when if that like became a thing like the credit blackout sketch thing um like beforehand or what but um i i I just think it's it's incredibly clever and like a really great way to add in some extra jokes
0: well y'all that's the pilot um any things that we didn't talk about that you really loved about this pilot, performances, specific jokes, anything of that matter? Yeah, the kid who yeah, plays Melly really about... sucks. No, I'm kidding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we talked about the the blackout button sketch, but I actually wanted to go back and talk about uh Ed O'Neill's VO as J to end the actual bulk of the pilot script because I was thinking about what you guys said about needing jay to be less understanding to like you have to have like a grounding point mm-hmm. to like build the arc from and getting the vo of like uh, the narration wrap-up of how we're all from different worlds we learn to come together and then you cut to him on the couch and you realize he's reading and mocking manny's letter that he wrote to the 16 year old at the mall kiosk that's, that's so that's, good that's funny to me because it does you think you're getting this tidy, yep. wrapped yeah. in a bow sitcom ending, and in actuality, you're getting Ed O'Neill being an ass. And <laughs> I,
2: It's so, it's I so think, clever, though. It's such a good button on this episode. I
1: think hearing you guys talk about needing some of those worst jokes in Act 3 so that you have a place to build off of... Gave me a better appreciation, even in this moment, of what a fun way it is to wrap up that pilot episode. Oh, so, thanks, man! Oh, thank you. That's very sweet. My eyes, on yeah.
2: that.
0: <laughs> Learning
2: it, it's the same. It's the same sense <laughs> of like all of these different shows that we really love, like uh, Desperate Housewives, like X Files, and stuff like that. All these different shows that like really require a hard cliffhanger to keep people's attention. I think it's super important that a show have some room to grow. And I think that's really, like, what people enjoy. I think that's honestly what probably, like, really greenlights a pilot. It's not necessarily the strength of the characters. It's not necessarily the strength of the dialogue or jokes up front. It's the ability to show growth and progression in a full-season character arc. And, you know, just something that people can relate to. I'm so sorry. You can probably hear my dog crying in the background. (laughs) (laughs) He's very emotional about... (laughs) He's showing, he he's just showing loved, progression. He
1: loves the 30-minute sitcom structure so <laughs> much. And this is, though, this is a neatly packaged 30-minute network pilot. This is a clear three acts. This is we're going to give you a little bit of each person's personality without focusing too much on any one person's dynamic or relationship. And we're just going to introduce our entire ensemble to you. And we're going to get them all in one room at the end. And we're going to leave it on that. Mm-hmm. We're not setting up what episode two is. We're not looking ahead. Yep. We're just giving you a little bit of everything. Like it very much feels like this is a pitch for like nine different people laid out in 23 pages. Yeah, 100%. It's, and th-
2: this is this is a very non-serial show. It is extremely episodic. I don't know if there is. I can't recall anymore because it's been a while since I watched this show all the way through. I it's I I really don't think I'm, this is this the success of the show is so thoroughly made for syndication. It is like I don't know if there's really a character arc that's stronger than like some pretty minuscule growth over the time. But that's what they wanted. They wanted something that would be episodic and not like okay, one show or this one season is going to follow an arc for all mm-hmm. twenty two episodes or yeah. whatever. They they really wanted this to every
0: episode to be its own thing. Yeah i I think you guys said it really well i I have nothing to add, but I do want to ask. Uh, we talked about some of the more unsavory jokes that are involved in this show, but was there anything else that caused us paused or wait a minute moments?
1: Maybe one day we'll cover a, a network sitcom that doesn't make so many Asian jokes
2: <laughs> yeah th- that was that was really like i mean fucking entourage ballers like uh, uh 1600 pen. 1600 pent like it is really it was such a Whoa. it was such a green light that's like hey here's all the jokes father are- of the pride yeah here's all the jokes we made about black people in the 70s and now we're gonna do it in 2009 like it is it is so it is so of that era and, and Fresh Off the Boat is from, like, around this era, which is so strange. It was, like,
0: I think three years or four happened. years yeah. later. Yeah. So, I think, you know. We were we there. 1600 Penn. Uh one of the EPs of this show, and also the director of this show, was Je- Jason Winner, Um who also uh, was involved with 1600 pen and was an EP on all 13 episodes of that. So maybe just maybe all 13. Yeah. All 13. Maybe this joke followed him to. And we talked about it in
1: that episode. We're not going to ask you to go back and watch 1600 pen. We will ask you to go back, listen to our episode on it, but uh, go watch it. I don't give a shit. Whatever it is. uh, yeah, he directed this pilot about a family. Was a creator on Sixteen Hundred Pen, and I guess that relationship started because uh, what the hell's name? Josh Gad was one of like the people who screen tested for Cameron.
2: Yeah, it's really he's oh so, yeah, yeah. he's way younger than Eric Snow Street, though.
1: It it's because uh, Josh Gad had taken over in. 25th annual putnam county Mm -hmm. spelling bee Uh and jesse tyler ferguson played the original leaf coney Bear in that show so there was like a connection to that broadway show and so it was like maybe trying to pair those two up i I,
0: yeah i'm i genuinely would be curious about what their on-screen chemistry would look like but i think they nailed it in all honesty with i love eric stone street jesse tyler ferguson one of Um, our most important dodger fans at one of the most important kansas city chief fans that are out there also that yeah he's a he's very pride uh, prideful about that <laughs> um so let's talk about an in-flight question in-flight question submitted to us from uh friends of the pod you can find them on instagram you can leave us a voicemail but our in-flight question this week is gentlemen which of these characters do you relate to the most? And Max, if you say Jay, I have 25 questions for you <laughs> at least. <laughs> Wait, okay, so can
2: I go first? Because everyone's, I feel like all three of us are Phil's. <laughs> 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 and, and I don't want to try to pick a new one on the fly. <laughs> and, uh, I, I, I extremely relate to phil in the way he is actually probably the most progressive person i know we talked about this earlier because he kind of just doesn't care and i think the apathy leads to like really impressive progression like progressive views and stuff like that and i just relate to that so hard and also i don't know i i love god i love a goofy dad character so much i love it Max what about yourself
1: uh I mean I feel like in a way I'm like a I'm a Luke with a cam rising <laughs> <laughs> like, like i, I what's, your have, what's your moon what's uh, your moon is it a Claire uh, uh, moon yeah. <laughs> you're a Gloria no, I, I, moon i, feel, <laughs> I I feel like I, I too, in my youthful misadventures, have gotten my head stuck in a banister or two, um, have never truly learned from my lessons. But also, I, I do feel like I am a generally loud, theatrical individual who has maybe dragged a bit on a little too far once or twice in my life. Oh, no. come on.
0: <laughs> you only host a podcast. <laughs>
1: I also love pastries. I love pastries.
0: They're delightful. Um, So I will say for myself, Rich, I think you put it uh, very well. I think there's a little bit of a fill in all of us. Um, It's just natural. But I do also find myself relating to Cam and um, Mitch, in different ways and like sometimes you do have to be the serious person who's very nervous and anxious at all times but also sometimes you can't turn it off <laughs> uh and that is something you have to be proud of um thank you so much for that in flight question i see a little bit um, of manny in you too yeah i i was going to say that manny i i was uh if my parents are listening to this you're uh, a little bit of a hopeless romantic a- I, I definitely was a hopeless romantic was. for many <laughs> I'm so sorry uh, he got married and then changed that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love my wife very much. Uh, um, <laughs> but as far as the legacy of the show, buckle up. Uh so eleven seasons, two hundred and fifty episodes. Ran, show, hell, ran 250? 2000, <laughs> show ran from two thousand show ran from two thousand nine to two thousand twenty. Oh. Now The highest average viewer count was in its third season. It averaged about 12.93 million viewers. And it was about 15th amongst all TV shows, which I find that to be the wildest bit. Only 15th? Yeah, only 15th. And I find this to be, of most recent sitcoms, one of the most popular that was out there. But there was other stuff going on, y'all. Get ready. Because oh. the awards is going to get gross. Uh, the, they won 60. Oh, it's the kid's choice awards.
1: <laughs> They're covered in slime.
0: Uh, <laughs> they won 60 awards and were nominated for 283 total. You might be curious about what type of awards they won. Three television critics, two directors guilds, one Golden Globe, six writer guilds, five screen actors guilds. 22 primetime Emmys. Let me repeat that for the folks who aren't listening closely enough. 22 primetime Emmys. That's 2 per season. Yeah. They also won 4 American Film Institute awards for best television show. God just damn. keep that in mind. Not not even comedy, just best show. Um also, it is a part of our select group of Cradle to Grave, winning everything from a Kids' Choice Award, a Teen Choice Award, a Young Artist Award, and many, many People's Choice Awards. Wait, okay, Uh, wait, wait, okay,
2: so um, I do want to ask, do you guys think that Levitan and Lloyd had a massive competitive battle on what episodes could win the most- Emmys?
0: Oh, 100%. There has to be. There has 100%. To be. They had to have been like, oh yeah, my episode got an Emmy for Best Director of a sitcom. You got shit. Like, yeah, because
2: for forgive me if I'm wrong, but it, this is my understanding from like how SNL works and, like, in the Emmy season and stuff like that. Yeah, you like can only, you submit. only submit one episode, right?
0: Yeah.
1: yeah uh, I believe you can submit more than one. Like I know in the dramas, like Secession's had more than one writing nomination this season. Oh, okay. But I do know this is one of those shows where like despite you know not winning everything every year like ty burrell was nominated for outstanding lead actor like eight seasons Jesus. in this run and you know that little fact about christopher lloyd being the showrunner on fraser when it won the emmy for outstanding comedy five years in a row yeah he did it on this show too god
0: damn <laughs> so a couple other fun facts before we close things out but there were also multiple international adaptions of this show, um, one of which was in Iran. Uh, but, Sick. you know, given things that are happening in Iran right now, they replaced Cam and made Mitch's relationship a heterosexual one. Go that figure. seemed to be a theme amongst the international adaptions of the show. Show has Sophia Vergara is still in it, though, so, which yeah. is super confusing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's in the Columbia one, but she plays Claire tons of questions (laughs) (laughs) um and the show so the show is syndicated you can find it on the usa network i watched it on hulu um but you can also find it on peacock as well but yeah heck of a legacy of this show i have you can find it on peacock even though it's an abc show you can find it on
2: Peacock. Streaming is so complex to show. me. Someone needs to, to drop like a 20-minute explainer on how streaming and rights it was, work.
1: And it was produced by 20th century yeah, Fox. No, that so was yeah, that
2: yeah. was my
0: <laughs> other thing. Um so What does any I of this two, mean? I have two questions for you all. Would you continue watching this show? And do you think this show could be made today? I'm going to put that with quotes of If someone came, if the pilot could be made today. If the pilot could be made today, if someone came to a network and said, "Hey, I want to make this."
2: Yeah, hundred percent. And I think, I mean, number one would probably be the bona fides of the creators. Like, I mean, how could you, how could you possibly turn down a, uh, how could you turn down a meeting with like some of the most important creators of like Fraser or Just Shoot Me, Larry Sanders Show, and stuff like that you you they they literally can't be excluded from a room ever Uh, they they'll never be excluded from a room uh you would have to update the jokes a little bit social media is a significantly larger presence in this than it is in the pilot um and that would be what you know haley is obsessed with alex is obsessed with um that kind of thing but also you would probably need to get a little bit more granular with the liberal politics of it. It would not be exciting for Cam and Mitchell to get, uh, to adopt a baby anymore. That's, that's kind of old hat. That's very commonplace. It's, it's really not a, an extreme take. I feel like, um, I think the show would be a really, do a really great job of normalizing trans politics. If they were, were to adopt like a trans character into this, um, other than that, I, I think the joke writing is exceptional. I really love the joke writing. I I, I think that's so evergreen. I, I this is killing it right now. If they if they get updated to twenty twenty two, it's killing it. And would you continue
0: watching the show, Rich? Oh hell yeah! I'll watch it tomorrow.
1: <laughs> Max, what about you? So, Rich, I know you mentioned that these guys could walk into any room based on their credits, and while I agree their stints with Wings and Frasier and Larry Sanders are impressive, uh, they're also some of the people behind Stark Raving Mad, Greg the Buddy,
2: Stacked, Oliver Bean, Back to You. Hit after hit after hit after hit. (laughs) (laughs) They can't can't stop.
1: Yeah, that's the problem. (laughs) Uh, This show is... Lightning in a bottle. I do not think we're going to see another show that puts up the numbers that this did. The dominance in primetime award series, the 250 episode run for a single camera that also shot a lot of stuff on location, including like outside of LA. I just don't think that this dynamic resonates with people 13 years later. I think that it is of a time and place of the late aughts, that first Obama term optimism, bright eyed, bushy tailness yeah. of like Americana. Um, if they were to make it today, it would have to have so much more geert floreche in it for it to even be considered. <laughs> yeah, there's not
2: enough Dutch people in this.
1: <laughs> like you'd, you'd have to have you have complaint. to really center if you center around gear i think you could get it made um no i i just think that this is of a time and a place which is weird to say for a thing that was only 13 years ago but it just feels like, like a generation that's passed since then um so no i i don't think it could get made today and i'll be honest I don't think I'm someone who's going to keep watching it. Uh, I was kind of never really on this bandwagon when it aired. This pilot has its moments, but I think I would go other directions with my time.
0: Interesting. All right. Let me round us up. Rich, I think you hit on it really well uh, in the sense that there are there would need to be higher stakes because some of the things they do in this show, I consider very much just table stakes at this moment in time. Edgy for the moment, Uh, Yeah, edgy uh, edgy in 2009. Sure. But now we've progressed. Um, I think the world in a very challenging place that we are in right now with a lot of things that are going on, there are new revelations that we've also witnessed and have become accepting of as well. Um, If a network is willing to take those on, let's do it let's try it. Would it test really well? I don't know. Unfortunately, I think that you have to ride that center line in order to get greenlit by a network. But as far as me, as far as watching this, I absolutely, if this is just on TV, I'm going to watch an episode. I think there's some amazing jokes. I was giggling throughout this. Um, And yeah, am I going to go out and seek it? Maybe not. But am I going to sit down with my family and watch this? 100%. 100%. I think this is a great watch for sure, and everyone's going to get a laugh of some sort. With that said, our flight has landed. Um, where can we find you two gentlemen?
1: Uh, so you can find me on uh, social media at Geert Florchi. That's G E E R T. F-L-O-O-R-T-J-E at Geert uh, No, You can find me at all things social media at Maxwell Singh. You can find original sketch comedy from myself and Rich being made over on TikTok at Comedy.
2: You can find me smuggling a box of cream puffs back from Vietnam. Uh, and you can also find me on Instagram at uh, Damn That's Rich. And yeah, follow Dad Wagon Comedy.
0: You can find me dunking on toddlers uh, at your local trampoline park, but you can also find me on social media at Run Jeff Run. You can find the TV Pilots License podcast on a variety of different social platforms, including Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at TV Pilots License. If you have a question for the show, maybe you have an in-flight question for us. Feel free to shoot us a DM. You can shoot us an email at tvpilotslicense at gmail.com or give us a call at 213-290-1713. Make sure to watch out for our Instagram. We We usually like to give sneak previews of what's coming up. And make sure to watch out because we might have some special guests on the way. With that said... The plane has landed. The seatbelt sign is off. We look forward to flying the bright skies of the TV world with you sometime soon. And until then, stay great. Subscribe to the podcast. Do it. Subscribe right now.